Uh, if you're an elementary kid, can you come up to the front to hang out with Silas? He needs some friends. He's got no friends. Show him your sad face. Turn around. Give him your sad face. Sad face. Elementary kids, come up here. And while you come up here, Mr. Derek is going to share some exciting stuff about kids' ministry coming up for the adults. All right. So good morning, Chapel family. So my name is Derek Harris. I'm one of the elders here. I'm also one of the kid men teachers in the back, and I've been doing it for quite a while. I think it was I started off my first year here at the church about six years ago because a woman named Darcy told me that I had to, and she looked at me and scared me, and I was just doing it ever since then. But I have had a great time and some great experiences doing it all. Listen, it is not like you have to be a minister or you have to be some great biblical theological, theological thinker or whatever. You just have to have a heart for children, have a heart for a ministry, and have just a willingness to be able to, to learn and to, and to grow. Um, we don't ask a lot of people back there to kind of go and crack open Bibles and study and all this. We have a prepared lesson. It's very simple and easy to go through. But the, the, what you get coming back from the kids, it's priceless. Some of the same kids I had when they were in fourth, fifth, or sixth grade years ago now, they come up to me to this day, Mr. Derek, how you doing? Give me a hug. We talk for a while, and you've gotten from being this small to this big now in cases, and it's been, stop looking at me, Mr. Weems, I see you. Okay. So, but it's been a great time doing this all. Listen, if you um, have any questions about it, I'm here. Uh, Joanna is here in the back. Wave your hand, please, Joanna, so you can ask questions with her as well. It, I've enjoyed myself immensely and greatly. Rewards are, are great for it, and if you have any questions, please let me know. I encourage you to come on back. All right, I'm good. Thank you. And on September 12th, September 12th, we're having a big old light factory relaunch kids party. So be sure to be here for that. There's going to be bounce house, snow cones. And just because we have a snow cone maker that we dug out of a storage unit, I'm going to make snowballs that day because I just want to throw a snowball at somebody in Florida. The irony of that is not lost on me. Will they turn to ice, actually? Then I have a few children in mind. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So kiddos, um, you're here with us today just for the beginning part of this message. And there's a book that I like. Is This is a book. Do you guys know what a book is? Do you know what book this is? Do you know what it's called? The Bible. Have you seen a Bible that's made out of paper and stuff? Have you seen one? Do your parents read the Bible that's like made of paper? How many of your parents read the Bible on one of these? How many of your parents read one of these books? If I gave you this book, do you want to read the whole thing for me right now? Could you do it? It's a pretty big book, right? Did you know that there's some crazy stories in this book? Like, for example, can you go like this? Everyone, look at your hand. Now, pretend like your hand got its own brain, and it was looking at you. Pretend like your hand was floating in the sky. Wouldn't that be weird? Did you know that there's a story in the Bible where that actually happens? A hand pops out of nowhere, but it's not attached to an arm, and it's just walking around. I used to play a game with my kids called Scoogie and Scoggy. This is Scoogie, see, his little head and his legs, and he would crawl on the kids. And this is Scoggy with my other hand, which I can't do, and he would tickle my kids. Do your parents do that, Scoogie and Scoggy? No, what about the claw? Do we, does your daddy have the claw where the arm takes over itself and it can't control what it's going to do? See here, you must do the claw. There's this king, he's a bad guy, his name's Belshazzar. We're going to call him Belly Boo. Say Belly Boo. Belly Boo. Belly Boo, he took all of God's stuff from God's special place that he used to have, and he said, I'm going to throw a party with all of the real God's stuff. I'm going to throw a party, and we're going to get all of my friends together, a thousand of my friends. And this guy, what was his name again? Belly Boo. Okay, wait. This guy, what was his name again? Belly Boo. 
He said, I don't care about God. I'm going to do life my way. And he was having this party, and he was enjoying all of this food and these drinks. And guess what popped out of thin air? Now, what would you do if you saw a hand? I was trying to figure out a way to have a hand pop out, but I didn't want to scare people. Because what would you do if a hand just popped out right behind me in the sky right here? What would you do? So, ah! like that? No? How many of you scream when you get scared? Do some of you guys get quiet when you get scared? Like, what do you do when something scares you? You laugh. Okay. So if a hand pops out right now and it started writing something, you'd be like, ha, ah, ah! ha, No? Because as Belshazzar was there drinking and eating turkey legs, a hand popped out and it wrote something on a wall. But he couldn't read it. It was a secret message. I have a secret message. I'm going to show you. I didn't even start it. Sorry, Corey. Can you start that for me, Corey? It'll just go to the secret message for me, if you would. I want to see if you can read this secret message behind me. It's going to be a secret. It's going to be tough for you to, to grasp, though, because it's, it's not going to be in a language that you know. Or maybe he can't. Can you, or, oh, can you read that language? Are you sure? So there's a secret message. I know it's a secret message. You know how I know? Because it says secret message on the top. But what are those letters? What do they mean? Can anyone tell me what they mean? What if those letters are the secret to getting a billion, billion dollars? Would you try to figure it out? No. I like you. What if that was a secret on how you could be the best baseball player in the world? Okay. What if that was a secret to where you could have unlimited money in Minecraft? Nope. What if that was a secret message so you could be the best Fortnite player? Terraria player? I don't even know what the kids are playing. Call of Duty? Warzone? This is a secret message that I bet you at least two people can read in here. Can you read it? No. Can you read it? Margaret? Mike? No. Okay. Ready? I'm going to magically make it appear. Alacadabra. Bam. No, it didn't work. Wait a second. It did work. Can you read that secret message? What does that secret message say? For God so loved the world. What does that mean? Can it go back? Go back to the secret message. We're going to recode it. Can you still read it? Do you know what it says now? It says, Hey, John, like no brown, That's what it says. There's something that I need you to understand about this story, because you're going to go back and you're going to talk about this with your teacher in the back. In the Bible, some amazingly weird and difficult things happen. But something is going on in this story that we're going to talk to your moms and dads and grandpas and aunts and uncles about. And that is, is that Daniel is an old man. And this king, Beli, Belibu, Belshazzar, he didn't even know about Daniel. He had, he had been living so far past when Daniel, you remember the guy with the lion's den? That this is his book. It's about his stories. It's about what God is doing around the time that Daniel was alive. And Daniel was, is now an old, old man. And there's something that's amazing that I love. It's, it's in one of my favorite movies of all time, one of the best movies, Finding Nemo. 
There's a character in Finding Nemo. She forgets everything. Do you know her name? Do you remember that's old movie? Do you remember what she says? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I want you guys to think about this today because there's something that we're going to learn about Daniel and the grown-ups and with you guys in the back where Daniel kept on following God even though everyone around him kept not following God. Daniel kept doing the right thing. He kept following God even though it meant he got thrown in the lion's den, even though it meant that he had his life threatened. And all of these kings, they would look at God and they'd like him for a little bit and then they would turn away. You guys are going to be faced in your life with a lot of people who will say, I don't want to follow God. And you have a choice to follow God or to not follow God. There's lots of Bible verses about that. I want you, my prayer for you guys today is going to be that you get into this Bible because in this book, there's some wild, crazy stories. And for your parents today, I put something in the events, Chapel Family Parents, there's a Bible reading plan for families with kids to guide your kids through the biblical stories, to learn about and get in the, uh, the, get in the patterns and practices of reading the Bible with your children. Because you'll, in the Bible, you'll see hands popping out of thin air. In the Bible, you'll see a bush that's on fire and a voice comes out of it. In the Bible, you'll see someone take water and make a wall out of it with what seems to be like magic. In the Bible, you'll see Jesus come back from the dead. I bet you didn't know this. Did you know when Jesus came back from the dead, other people also came back just for a little bit? Did you know that? That means there's zombies in the Bible. <laughs> Here. You're the star today. So I want you to read the Bible with your parents. When you go home today, say, Mom and Dad, read the Bible. Can you Google craziest Bible stories and read them to me? And we'll find out what's in this book because there are things in here that you can't even read at your age yet. But if you tell your mom and dad, it's in the Bible, I got to learn it, then they'll have to do it. Sound like a plan? Okay, kids, stand up. I'm going to pray for you before you head on back. God bless these kids. Help them to have the faith or show us the faith that we need to have. Lord, these kids have faith that goes far above the fears that most of us grown-up people are living in. So I pray that as they go back, they would discuss what it means to have faith in you, even when everyone else around you doesn't. Even when all the governments and the kings and the presidents don't believe, God, that we would still believe. Bless these kids. Help them bless their teacher, Mr. Derek, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, kids, go ahead and head on back. Adults, flip open to Daniel chapter 5. Adults, what's the name of the bad guy? Belly boo. Okay, Bible nerds. If you're a Bible nerd, say amen. Okay, Bible nerds, I'm talking to you. This is a very interesting way. For whatever reason, when the book of Daniel was compiled, it does not go in chronological order. So last week, we ended the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And this week, it jumps to Belshazzar. For those of you who are Bible nerds, when it says in this passage that, Bel that Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's father, it's most likely, uh, like 100%, not talking about a direct biological father. It's his father, as in, like we say, Father Abraham. It's his lineage of authority. Because after Nebuchadnezzar came a guy named uh, Nabonidus, and this is Nabonidus' son. Nabonidus was reigning as the supreme leader over this area, but he wasn't in this area, so he put his son, Belshazzar, over this region of Babylon. Belshazzar was running Babylon from the capital as Nabonidus was doing other conquests around the world. And 30 years has passed from chapter 4 to chapter 5. And the reason this gets confusing is because then the book of Daniel is going to jump backwards. So it goes back and forth. And I'm going to show you why next week because we're going to look at the literary style that this collection uh, was created for because there's a pattern that's beginning to emerge. But they didn't want us to see just the, the, lineage sto the, the linear story. We, in America, we like stories. Beginning, build the characters, something happens, climax, and then end. 
The Bible has different patterns, and there's a reason for this pattern right here. See the handwriting on the wall? Daniel's an old man. Everyone say old man. Everyone point at the oldest person you could see in this room right now. Point at him. No, I'm just kidding. Don't point at him. You! You don't want to do that because what if someone is like the person that's not actually old, but they just have terrible genetics? You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And then there's other things. There's tricks in here that make women and men look younger. All those fillers and the jellies and juices they put on. He's an old man. 30 years later. I think it's fascinating when God has these long periods of years in the, in the biblical story. Moses, do you guys know how old Moses was when he ran away from Egypt approximately? 40 years old. Do you know how old he was? After he was the prince of Egypt for 40 years, he went out to the desert for how many more years? 40 years. How old was Moses when he heard the burning bush? 80 years old. There's not an 80-year-old person in this room. I don't think. There might be. If there is, congratulations. My father-in-law, he's in the back with the preschoolers right now. He's 77. So a 77-year-old is teaching a bunch of three-year-olds. Don't let that irony be lost on you. It's great. He's the perfect one. He's the perfect teacher to teach those kids. His hearing is going, so he can't even hear the things they're saying. But what's amazing to me is that we are so impatient as a people because our cultural speed has continued to grow more and more and more and more rapid. And it started with all of the technological boom. Like if you're my age, you rented a video cassette, a VHS from Blockbuster. Do you remember what you had to do before you returned it? Yeah. We all had the same black car rewinder, right? You put it in and you hear these kids. We used to have these things called physical objects. <laughs> and you would rewind it in a car and you would push the, the cassette down as a giant brick. Someone's got to find one of these things. And it would just make this noise. And then you could take this box back to a store and they put movies inside of these boxes. And then DVDs came. Didn't have to rewind those anymore. And now we want a movie. I'm like, let me download it from my Apple Watch and store it in my cloud of destiny somewhere up there where everyone's spying on me. But things have been moving faster and faster. We used to have to wait for a newspaper. I love a good newspaper. I saw someone reading a newspaper in Panera this week. When's the last time you guys have seen someone read an actual news? Do some of you, do you even know, Jaden, have you seen a newspaper? You've never even seen one. Like if I were to tell you, you want to go find a store, how would you find a store? Would you look it up in the yellow pages? Do you know what yellow pages are? No. This is the world that we're living in. And we are so impatient, and God reminds us time and time again. And the purpose, one of the main purposes of Daniel is to show us God reigns over all kingdoms, over all history. And right now we need to remember this. Because there was Nebuchadnezzar who went against God. God showed him he, why he was wrong, and then Nebuchadnezzar said, Glory be to you, God. And then Nebuchadnezzar did it again. And then Nebuchadnezzar again says, fine, glory to you, God. Then finally, Nebuchadnezzar gets turned into a type of beast, basically, for seven years. And at the end of the last chapter we finished last week, he says, you're right, God. Glory be to your name. Praise you. You are the God above all gods. And then fast forward 30 years, it's another king doing the exact same thing. People will do peopley things. That's not very grammatically correct, but people do peopley things. If you're wondering if, if some future version of a human government will end up 
much better than the one that we have now? The answer is going to be a resounding no, because the people that are leading our government now, guess, guess what they are? People. Guess who's going to lead us in the future? Robots. No, I'm just kidding. People. People. And people have a tendency to do what Nebuchadnezzar did and what Belshazzar did. Belshazzar does this in an incredibly arrogant way. In verse 1, it says he made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Like he literally is having a, playing a drinking game, and it says in front of. It's implying that he's showing off. Like, look what I'm doing. I want everyone to see me drinking. Belshazzar, when he tasted his wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and the silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, not Biodad, but the, the lineage of royalty, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. He said, go get all of God's stuff from this Jewish God, this Hebrew God. I'm going to drink our wine and celebrate to our gods and toast to our deities. I'm going to toast with their God's stuff. It's like, God, we don't need you. We have our own gods. We have our own way. And as he's doing this, as they bring in the vessels and he's drinking from them, they praise the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Those were the gods that they praised. Well, we don't have gods like that today. Of course, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know my take on idolatry. An idol is not just a carved image. It's anything that you live for. It's anything that becomes your ultimate source, your guidance. It's anything that you look to to have the greatest sense of security or worth or significance or value. And these were the gods that they drank to. It was a slap in the face of the Hebrew gods. And immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace. Now, I didn't want to do this with the kids because it gets a little creepy. We always see the kids' shows or the movies or the reenactments where it shows a hand, right? It shows a hand come out, and it has lightning. If you've never seen it, there's tons of videos out there and movies and remakes of this. But what's creepy to me about this is that the literal translation is just immediately the fingers, plural, of a human hand appeared. There might not even be an actual hand attached to these digits. If that doesn't creep you out, like, I don't know, which finger are you picking if you're God? Pinky finger? Pointer finger, the other finger that we can't do because there's middle schoolers here still, thumb, fingers popped out and wrote, and the king's color changed. Literally, blood just. <laughs> Man, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I'd do. We read these Bible stories because we've read them, and they have, we're so sanitized. We can't uh, imagine or envision the emotions of 1,000 people and a king saying, God, we're going to take all of your stuff and praise our gods. And for whatever reason, God in this moment says, oh, are you? I'm going to do this finger. Pew! And he starts writing a message in an unknown language on a wall. We would all freak out. We would all freak out. We, we discount the terror of heavenly beings, and we overestimate our ability to tolerate their glory. But every time in the Bible that a heavenly being or God appears, do you know what happens to the people? They fall down. They just fall down. They're, I'm scared. I'm dead. I'm going to die. What is this? Whether it's God himself or an angel. The king's colors changed 
and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, his knees knocked together. The king called loudly, bring in all my wise people. None of them could figure it out. Jump to verse 10. The queen, because of the words the king had said, the king said, if anyone knows what this means, I'm going to make them third in the kingdom. Because it was Nabonidus, it was over all of the kingdom. And then uh, Belshazzar was over this region of Babylon. So he said, whoever figures this out, I'm going to make them third. Nabi, me, third, number three. And the queen's response is, fear not, there's a man in your kingdom. Verse 11, a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, Light and understanding and wisdom, like wisdom of the gods, were found in him. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians. And I love the very end of this. He had all this excellent knowledge. He was the chief. He knew all the things. And then Belshazzar says, let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. If you're just reading this book, you go from chapter 4 to chapter 5. That's 30 years. 30 years that this author, when they compiled the book, they said, we're going to put this part right here so that you understand that there's 30 years that have passed. The majority of us in this room have not been walking with Christ for 30 years. Some of us have. Many of us have not. The reason I know that is because I can see you. Some of us aren't 30 years old. I'm reaching uh, this fall is my 22nd year following Jesus. And I think like after you have your 20-year reunion with the Holy Ghost and your baptism day and all that fun stuff, I just realized like I'm getting old now. It just is what it is. I, I am half Filipino, so I don't have much body hair. Like I'm still waiting for my first like authentic chest hair, and I'm 40. I'm holding out hope. I'm going to get some Rogaine or something, okay? But um, like every once in a while... I just look at myself in the mirror and I wonder, like, why do I never get carded anymore? Just anymore. And then I started noticing something. My beard, well, I'm half Filipino, so I'm using that term very liberally. This hair growth, whisker thing, it's more gray than black on one side of my face. So if I want to get carded, I literally have to show them my good side or just shave. My arm hair is uh, turning gray, which is weird. I don't know if this is a thing. My, my sideburns went gray, and then I go to Bree. She's in the nursery right now, my, my hairdresser, and, and she says, oh, you have gray coming up all over the top. And they say, like, if you pull one out, two will grow. So I'm just, like, tucking them under. It, but it's weird, like, the perspective of time we don't have. We're not patient people. We think that God must work on our timelines right now. And I wonder, if you're just reading this, you're thinking, what did Daniel do for 30 years? He went from being a young man, and now he's an old man. But he's still doing the same thing that he did every day. He would wake up, and what's the first thing do you think he would do when he woke up? Starts with a P, rhymes with hay. Pray, you guys are so smart. At lunchtime, he would go to his balcony, he would do this amazing thing. Starts with P, rhymes with pray. Pray, just making sure you needed help last time. And then in the evening when the sun was going down, he would go onto his balcony. Guess what he would do? No, he wouldn't pray. Why would you say that? Of course he'd pray. He'd pray. 
He was depending on God, and he kept doing it even when he wasn't in the spotlight because he wasn't in the chief magicians now. But his job description never changed. His job description was just keep swimming, just keep swimming, do what God tells me to do, do what God tells me to do, no matter what the government is doing. And if there is not a time for this message, if there is a time for this message, it's right now. Do what God is telling you to do and let the government keep doing what it's going to do. There's no reason to fret. There's no reason to say, back when I was young, or I hope that we can get to here, you keep, what, keep doing what God is calling you to do. Pray, press in, believe, have faith over fear. There's a hat right now one of our teenagers is wearing. It's just faith and then fear. And I was like, I get it, faith over fear. There's so much fear that's in right now in our culture, in our times. Daniel had reasons to fear. We're not even to the lion's den. The lion's den is going to rewind us back in Daniel's life. Is our faith going to carry us through this season? Is our faith that we have in Christ going to help us to persevere no matter what is happening in the governing authorities? Because that's what's going on in this moment. And Daniel is still known as a faithful man. I need you to understand something. And this is, the Bible is very clear about this. I'm just going to read a few scriptures for you. These are on the Bible app on the events page. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That's Romans 5, 3 to 4. James 1, 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Who knows what steadfast means? Someone define it for me. Steadfast steadfast under trial. You know how I do these Bible reading? Uh, the, in the Bible app, I put reading plans at the very bottom. I put two in there this week. I put one for families with kids, and then I put another one to try to motivate me, running with vision. It's literally a reading plan for runners. How many runners do we have in here? Can I get a, can I get a hi-ya? Nothing. One runner. And literally, I was so glad that you're here, because when I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, who's bugged me to run the most? And not many people bug me to run. You know, I think they just accept that I will not run. But remember when you started that running group? It was like a year ago, maybe two years ago. You're like, are you going to come to the running group? We're doing this running group. And I was like, yeah, no. And I've been trying to run, you guys. Running hurts. And I'm not talking like once you get past a mile. I'm talking like when I get out of my door. You run, right? Or do you just watch your wife run? Do you run a little bit? You walk. Here's the thing about steadfastness, about pressing in, about persevering, is that there's something that happens, and this is with any marathon-like thing. This could be a long car ride, like if you're driving cross-country. I, I, I thought it was funny, as Jared was going to California for this motorcycle show that he's in, apparently he hasn't driven that direction before because he either posted or put in or texted me he said texas goes on forever i said yeah most of us have done it i've done it from the other way i don't know which way you guys go but as soon as you hit el paso you just buckle down hit 85 and pray that there's no cops and you can do that for days and it's the exact same scenery it's just like a marlboro commercial and you're just driving through tumbleweed snake country music that's all you have but it's like that persevering. When I'm running now and running, I'm using the same term as I do when I say I have a beard. Okay, it's not really running. I could walk faster than when I'm doing this. I'm just lifting my knees up higher to look active. 
as you run. The first step in Florida running in August, I'll tell you from experience, is this. Because I, I tried to walk, and I was like, I need to start running a little bit. So I, I run. It's more of this. You walk out the door. First thing that happens is you meet your first adversity, humidity. Okay? You're breathing it in. Or as I like to call it, chewing your air. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not sweating yet. But Florida is sticking to me, so it looks like sweat. I have a gray T-shirt that my gym gave me. They said, you're doing such a good job working out. We're going to give you this light gray T-shirt in Florida. Great idea. Do anything in that. Mow the lawn in that. Run in that. You'll look like a savage. I turned it from a, a light gray to a dark gray in one day. Run. Your knees start to hurt because my knees are 40. The rest of me, 29. Knees, 40. Okay. Run. Knees start to hurt. Then you realize these aren't the right shoes. Because apparently there's whole running stores devoted to shoe selection. And they look at you run and they say, you need this extra cushion over here. And you need to have this because you're pronating, heelnating, toe buckling. And I don't know, I'm just wearing these same shoes to run in. Well, you need running shorts, you know, for like extra breathability. I'm running in big basketball shorts that are getting weighed down by the minute. And they want me to run in these dolphin shorts. There's a lot of leg to cover with a little short, okay, so I don't. And then you get past the corner of your block, okay? This is just the corner of your block. Knees hurting, sweating, toes pronating. Then something happens in your shins. I don't even know why they call them shin splints. They should call them something more appropriate, like shin demons. You're running. And now you're really sweating because you've gone almost a half of a quarter of a half a mile, okay? I put on moisturizer every day. I don't know why. It has sunscreen in it. I grew up in beach communities, so you just do that. It's sunscreen moisturizer. Until you move to Florida, you don't realize that when you sweat, that sunscreen carries the, the ointment of a thousand jellyfish piercing your eyeballs when it runs into your eyes with sweat. So now you can't see. You got shin demons. Your left knee's creaking and cranking. Your shirt's turning dark gray. You've made it almost around half of the block. And you just say, I'm just going to walk this one out, Lord. I'm going to pray right now, Lord. Now you're like, oh, are you really that bad at running? I'm actually probably worse in reality. The jellyfish ointment of a thousand jellyfish in your eye, that's no joke. But our version of Christianity is so much like that. You see, this next year, I want us to gear up to, to do things as a whole chapel family, like to read the Bible together in a year. And I know that we're going to have people start and then fail, but uh, we're going to try to help you guys, and I'm just going to make like regular videos, like here's where I'm reading, here's what we're doing, here's some tips on how to do it, here's what you can do, here's the plan we're all going to go through, so we can read the same thing. And I've done this with churches over and over and over again, and I know the, the tricky parts. I know when we get to Leviticus, and it's 101 ways to skin a goat and a donkey and a bull and a dove, and what do you do? You're going to be like, what are we doing? So I'm hoping to explain and guide us through the story because we've forgotten the trajectory that God in the Old Testament had a very clear purpose to get us to see our need for him to be the ruler of our life. And humans have the propensity, we have the inclination to rule our own lives or find someone that rules our life and makes us feel like they're going to save us. The book of Daniel is a shining example. Siri, I swear if you do that again to me. Someone needs to show me how to turn Siri off. So we're going to read the Bible together. And, and life as a holistic thing shouldn't just be what we put in our minds. It should be what we do. 
are we going to feed the homeless together today at 1230? 1245? 12.20. 12.22. Favorite thing I've heard all day. Teenager tells his mom, can I go feed the homeless today? But I don't want you to come. Teenager, love that. Do it. I'm going to go feed the homeless, mom, but don't come with me. Now, I don't know why they wouldn't want their parents to come, but I think it's pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool when that chapel family member called me, and they basically gave themselves their own pastoral counseling. This is what I want to do. I'm feeling led and called to go to the UAE. I have this opportunity through Samaritan's Purse, but if I do that, then I have to put this Bible thing on hold, and then I won't be a part of this. I don't know what I should do. I'm thinking about this. What about that? And you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, I think I know I need to do this. And then literally I see a post like, Four, 24 hours later, they're going to the, the middle of the United Emirates. Some of you might be called to do that. No, not me. God wouldn't call me to do that. Maybe it's that we're not listening. Maybe it's that we've just taken our pulse off of this, but this idea that Daniel could pursue, persevere for 30 years and be spiritually ready, spiritually prepared, speaks to something in us. And you will fail. I need you to understand this. It is difficult but it's like this. If you want to have a rich, meaningful, full life with God, if you want to endure to the end, if you want to understand what steadfastness is, position yourself in a place where you have God stuff coming down onto your life. And the more you position yourself under his grace, under his free favor, saying, God, I'm here. I see what you've done for me. And this world around me seems to be going to hell in a handbasket, which is a weird phrase. But you look around and, and you see hell, you see homelessness, you see pain, you see wars and rumors of wars, you see famine, you see people dying of diseases, you see people dying of things that we haven't died for in this country for a hundred years, and they die for by the tens and hundreds of thousands in other countries. That God, I just want to hear you and know your voice. And people tell me all the time, like, I just don't have time. It's a big one I get. Pastor, I don't have time to read the Bible, which I get it. I'm just going to be like one of those old grumpy pastors right now. You have time. I, I, I get my weekly screen report on here, so I see what I've, I've been spending my time on. Worst decision I ever made was getting all Apple products because my phone somehow knows how much Apple TV and YouTube on this device, Apple TV and that device, TikTok or whatever on this device. And I'm like, wow, I've got a lot more time than I thought I had. Some of you say, well, it's just too confusing. Well, we're, I'm going to eliminate that. And if you want to start reading the Bible right now, I'll, I'll give you the tools. I'll say, here's, here's what I would do if I were you. Here's where I would start to know how to read the Bible and squeeze as much juice out of it as you can. Here's a, here's a list of sort of classroom educational type videos that are five minutes each that will teach you. Here's how to read this part of the Bible. Here's how to read this part of the Bible. Here's how to get your mind prepared so that when you read the Bible, you don't approach it like, a, like an American person in 2021. You can approach it like a Jewish person. In 2000 BC, in 1500 BC, you can say, okay, what would this say to them? Prayer. You don't have to pray on and on and on. But Daniel had regular times of prayer. The Psalms talk about praying in the morning, in the evening. You can add a lunchtime prayer if you want. Sabbath. Like, these are simple things. Sabbath. One of the most pushback I ever got from an application homework assignment was when we taught on the Sabbath, like three years ago now. And I said, I want everyone to take a Sabbath day, a 
pure, all about God, rest day where you do nothing of your normal job. So if you're a mom, for example, of eight kids, do you remember what I said, moms of eight kids? I said, abandon your children, make your husband take care of them all, and now you're older, mini mom, and you just go lay on a beach, and you call my wife, and you guys just go do non-alcoholic martinis on a beach, and don't forget about, forget about laundry, forget about your children, forget about pickups and drop-offs. My wife needs a Sabbath, by the way. Oh, I was talking to just her, not you guys. Because you know what happens? I say, go Sabbath. And some of you just think, well, what do you think when I say go Sabbath? Okay, take it. What's your response? Yeah, that's all I'm asking for, one day. What's your response? Which day? Which Sunday? What are you doing today? No. Let me ask you a different question. Do you trust God to keep your job and keep providing for your family if you did no emails, no phone calls today? So why not today? Okay. So you can either, Edwin, position yourself under God's grace and provision and say, I will follow God even though it seems like if I don't get the things done that I think I need to get done, everything's going to fall apart and you let God handle the big details, or you cannot follow God and follow yourself. You can take the things from God that he's given you, things that are good, like Belshazzar took all of God's stuff and said, I'm going to use this good stuff, but for my gods. And we do the same thing. We take the things that are good stuff, but we use it for our own gods, who are usually ourselves. And it's not bad. And that's the thing with Christianity. Most of the sins, once you become a professional Christian, and that's a term I use sarcastically, once you've been a Christian for 10 or more years, on average, right around that, some, somewhere between 5 and 10 years, you become this type of Christian where there's not a lot of external bad things that other people can see. You're not out there getting shammered and falling in front of people on the side of the road. You're not out there beating up people with fits of rage. You're not out there committing these wild crimes and like stealing things from Nordstrom. The, the things that we do as Christians that are acceptable is we take good things that God has given us and we make them ultimate things. We take work, and we say, I've got to keep working. And if I don't work enough, then who am I as a person? If I don't work enough, if I don't make enough, then I'm not providing in the way God wants me to provide. I'm going to need to work seven days, eight days, nine days a week. Or we take something like food for me. Literally, this is, you want to see how tempt, this is what God did to me. I'm trying to eat healthy, and it's not working, as you can tell. Okay? Not Two days ago, on Friday, we're walking through the grocery store, and my daughter Savannah sees this bag of dark chocolate dove. This is the Lord's candy. This is why the Holy Spirit came as a dove. This is right here, okay? Uh, and she said, Daddy, because she knows how to get me, can we get that bag of dark chocolate dove so me and you can share it? And I said, no, sweetie. Your daddy's got to go on a vacation and, like, take off his shirt in front of strangers in a month, Okay? So we're going to do a hard pass on this. My kidneys are well protected. And then I show up today, and my dear beloved friend and instrument of evil, Brett, comes up behind me and says, hey, I got you something. It was a sealed bag at the time. <laughs> sealed bag. I said, get behind me, Bretton. 
because I have a whole bag of Holy Spirit-filled chocolate. I leave for vacation in 30 days. If I eat them all today, <laughs> will that be a sin? Well, we take food, we take good things, we make them ultimate things. Food is one of my vices. You can't tell, but I will confess it to you freely. I am what the Bible calls a glutton. So there's, there's gluttons and drunkards. In the church, we get mad at drunkards, not gluttons. I'm a glutton. Now, I'm six foot six, so it's, I carry things well. Like, before COVID started, I weighed 210 pounds. I wore these pants. Now, now I weigh like 230 pounds. I still wear these pants. That's not the issue. The issue is, do I turn to food? Do I turn to drink when I'm stressed out? At the end of the day, do you say, oh, I just need a fill-in-the-blank, a nightcap, a pound of Dove chocolate, a pint of Talenti ice cream, a half of a salmon followed by three cheeseburgers, literally last night? My wife doesn't even know. She gets mad at me when I eat leftovers right after she packs them away, so I have to sneak into the fridge when she's falling asleep. And I just, no, 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 no. And I'm there, and I'm like, Lord, why am I doing? Because we, make, we take good things, and we make them ultimate things, and that is a very bad thing. We're not going to have as many of this op out in the open God defiance like Belshazzar did because we've become professional Christians. We hide the things that people judge us for, and we let the things that no one judges us for fester and grow like a mold on our soul. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Daniel did the hard work of heart work. He looked at his heart every day, and he said, I'm going to position myself under God's care, under his grace, under his kingship, and I'm going to let this world just figure itself out. There's a lot to figure out right now. All the arguments of the medical stuff, the vaccines, the non-vaccines, and it's crazy. I was talking with our tech director before, and I thought, and he said, he has a great idea. Just put a sign on our door that says, you, I want you to come here and share a meal with me. Can we please not talk about it? This week, um, I read all of the clinical trial protocols for the Pfizer vaccine. That's what I used to do in another part of my life as I monitored and, and managed clinical trials. So I read through all of their protocols. And I thought, this is what the world's come to. Like, I can't even, everyone's picking their own things here and there, so I'm just going to do what I was trained to do and certified to do. So I just went and read it all. I'm like, this is how it works. I understand this. This is a language I know. This is a language I studied and got certified for. Now I'm not going to listen to any other posts. People are going to talk to me about it. They're going to send me videos. And I'm going to be like, that's great. I understand. But I, I know exactly what they did, why they did it. Makes sense to me. I could see it. And not, that's not me saying get or don't get the vaccine. Not a medical professional. Find a medical professional. I'm not you. You're not me. But what I am saying is that we're arguing about it, dividing over in the church. It's breaking my heart. If you're waiting for the government to save you, you're out of your mind. I've been saying this for three weeks, and I'm going to say it again until COVID is over, which will never be over because that's how viruses tend to work. Guess what? Spoiler alert. You're all going to die. That's it. It's not going to be me. I'm not going to Kool-Aid David Koreshi this thing out, okay? But we're all going to die. Who do you say Christ is? And are you going to pursue him, follow him, endure to the end? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin 
which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. To who? To Jesus. I'm answering for myself since y'all are tired today. The founder and perfecter of our faith. The what? The founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before who? Jesus. It was joy that led him to the cross, in case you didn't know that. Consider him who endured for sinners, uh, endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Look at what Jesus did for you and rest in knowing that he's run the main race and now he caused you to follow in his footsteps. And then lastly, the one who endures to the end will be saved. You're going to die. Endure. Position. Put yourself under the waterfall of God's amazing grace. And that's what will become the people who just keep swimming whether it's in your face and you need to do something today, like travel across the world, or whether you go for 30 years and not much is made of these great things or in your estimation that you have to do, but you just position, say, God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. God, I'm a soldier who's ready. Because we're in a war, and the battle, the war is already won, but the battle skirmishes are what he calls us to. And these battles are to bring a pocket of heaven into this world of hell where there's horrendous things happening. And God says, go be my heaven. Go be my pockets of heaven and light in these places of darkness and pain. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would give me the wherewithal, the self-control, the endurance to avoid these chocolates. I pray that some chapel family would come relieve me of some of them before I go home today. Lord, I pray for all of my good things that I have made ultimate things and I repent. Lord, I make so much and I lean on so much otherness. God, I repent of my adoration and obsession with food. Lord, I repent that I lean on my Bible knowledge rather than leaning on you, the Bible author. Lord, I repent. I ask for your forgiveness for the times that I'm living in vanity. Lord, I ask for forgiveness in the times where I take all this good stuff that you created and I use it for my own purposes for my own selfishness. Lord, I'm sorry. I pray that, that this church family, Lord, that we'd be a church family that doesn't just clip off the surface sin, but that we would allow you to do the hard work of heart work to get into our heart and our soul and change us from the inside out to make us people who love deeply, forgive often, embrace our enemies. Lord, we pray for those who are leading the Taliban. We pray for the family families of the soldiers who died, and I pray for the family of the suicide bomber. I pray that all would be led to Christ because all of us one day will meet you face to face, Lord, and that is the plea of my heart. God, it's the plea of your heart. You wish that none would perish, so let it be the plea of our own hearts as we pray to you and ask you to guide us that none would perish, that our grandchildren, that our children, that our neighbors, that our enemies, that the boss that we hate or the boss that we love would come to know you. You've given us the story. So now, Lord, let us give it to others. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.